All right, so tr- since Trey can't get us started here, welcome back to the one cast. We got a lot going on in the bass fishing world, so uh, stay tuned. Let's talk about it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's Look a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. feel like it's going to be a bad day. What's going on, one cast fans? Since Ben stole Trey Thunder, I'm going to steal Ben's Thunder. Uh, no, welcome back to the one cast. As always, Ben, Pete, and Trey. Uh, we were debating how to start this one off because there's so much going on in the bass fishing world right now, from disqualifications to multiple major tournaments. tournaments. And, and yeah. I don't know what to do with my hands. Apparently, <laughs> hey, so, your mouth too, because yeah. it wouldn't open. Yeah, so there's been a lot going on this week, but hey, let's check this out. Go to onecastfishing.com, use the code THEONECAST, and save 10% at checkout. Check out those snagless jigs, check out those weedless netheads, check out those long neck hooks. The spawn is prime in North Carolina and across the country, and the post-spawn is going to start happening real soon. So you're going to want to get yourself some of those long neck hooks, especially for those good Carolina rigs. So go check those out, folks. Use the code THEONECAST and save 10%. All right. I think I'm good now. You good I think, now? I think I can rap. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, before we jump into the episode, fishing's been pretty good. I don't know how much Ben's been out. I know you went out a little bit, but Trey and I got yeah. out uh, separately last, uh, well, today's Tuesday. So, Sunday, we got out. The sun was bright. The fish are on beds, and we had a ton of fun out there. We had another buddy join. We, we did a little $10 buying tournament. I beat Trey buying out. Uh, so I, you know, check the scales. I hold that. Check the scales. We got to calibrate our scales. <laughs> we didn't have a marshal on the boat. <laughs> no, no, you're no absolutely marshals. right. It, it was a great time. It was time, a ton man. of fun. Yeah. The, the sun coming up so early, man, like it is absolutely gorgeous when you get out there and, uh, the top water bite is starting to fire up. And that is to me is yeah. one of the best times of the year. Yeah. We had a shad spawn. We had bass spawn. I'm sure there's some post-spawn fish around, but didn't even bother looking for them when you can jack them on a bed. That's what I'm going to do. But it, it is interesting because, Ben, on your lake, like, they're done. The, the spawn's been done. I mean, it's it's been done for, I think, a week or two, to be honest. I yeah. mean, I haven't gone all over all the spots, but I've checked most of the key locations. And, and so when I went out last a couple of days ago, uh, you know, they spawn a lot. There's a canal and a lagoon between two little lakes that are connected. It's ultimately 400 acres. But you have to travel through this canal to get to the other part of the lake and they like to spawn up in there and it's a good size and all but they were all done spawning in there of course they spawn in other parts of the lake but so as i was getting to the entrance of the canal it kind of drops there at the entrance from about five feet to 15 feet so i started working it nothing and i get into the middle of the canal and i just chuck it a speed worm with a long neck hook in the middle of the canal and slowly bring it back and a four pounder hitter and about six of them came with her. Mm. All the same size were bigger. They were just laying there in the middle of the grass around the crappie and white perch that were still in there. And just, you can't see them on live scope. They were just laying in the grass on the bottom. Yeah. And uh, most of the fish are, they pulled off their spawning, but they're not very far. They're starting to transition out. And I, I went to check the spots where I know they're going to go to. And th- you might see one or two, um, but that's it. Yeah. And you'd really have to work for it. And they didn't bite. So like they haven't made it all the way out yet, but it's transitioning. It's coming. Yeah. Our, you know, our lakes are pretty far behind, honestly. Jordan, I, I talked to a lot of folks that fish it Saturday. Uh, they're just now seeing the, the big push of fish on the beds on Jordan because that lake was eight and a half foot high the week when most of the other lakes had their big push. Uh, 
There was a lot of, I mean, a ton of fish still on beds at Harris. It's two, probably two foot high right now, it maybe is, a little yeah. bit more. One and a half to two feet high. Um, well, so it was abnormal. And I think the, the water levels had a lot to do with that. Tillery, I know, I talked to somebody that it's full on right now, fish on beds. So your, it, is your water level pretty stable? In the in My the, water level is really stable. Yeah. The, the water visibility in that little lake is four to five feet in places. So it's it's very different in that sense. Um, in, it warms up faster, smaller. The wind the wind action isn't as bad type of deal. So it just moves along a little bit faster than the other lakes. It's it's quite a bit faster this year than than normal. Yeah. Um, but again, we didn't have uh, we didn't have all the fluctuations. And even though we get a lot of rain, mm-hmm. um, most of the water in that little lake flows in from ponds up above it that are coming out the bottom. So it's it's a little bit controlled. So we never have major fluctuations we when we talk about these lakes folks like it they're not very far apart you mm-hmm. know some of them are 15 minutes from the other lake as a crow flies yeah or harrison jordan were at three miles maybe as a crow flies yeah, they're super yeah. close and my lake is maybe 20, 20 miles 20 as a, miles as yeah crow flies but they're, yeah. they're not very different uh or they're not very far apart but they're they're very different, very different. so mm-hmm. like when you look at like diversifying your portfolio and going out there and fishing on different bodies of water like north carolina has it you can go out and fish certain techniques in like ben's lake which is filled with coontail and vegetation and then you can go out there on jordan and you can flip laydowns all day but if you remember or if you haven't checked it out go back to the episode where we talked to Corey oakley who works for north carolina he's a, a the uh one of the main biologists here. And he talks about that with the different types of watershed and different types of habitat. That's it. It feeds the systems here. And Ben's Lake is very, very, it flourishes with habitat, like mm-hmm. a lot of nutrients and stuff. But some of the other bigger lakes around the area with the development going on with residential development and so on and so forth, they are being affected. However, the fish are adapting to that change. So go check that episode out. I think you'd be really pleased uh, to hear some good educational stuff, it, and we'll have him back on. It, you just have to be on the water to figure it out. It, it really, it, You really do. I mean, look at all the, and we're, we're going to get into it, all the tournament events that are happening here that are go- recently or going on where I was recording right now. You had bass down in uh, Lake, Murray. Lake Murray, about three hours south of here. They were catching them on beds. Yep. Right. Uh, right now, heavy hitters. They're down in Caney Creek. There were some catching them on beds. And then the MPFL. Right, Patman. Yeah, the water was high. high, I don't know. There could have been a, yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) But uh, maybe there was a few sitting there and they were trying to make beds. But but ultimately, the water was so high and and it was kind of a painful event. But, I mean, you're talking from Louisiana to South Carolina, North Carolina, and and then going up further north. Like, it's full spawn right now. It's not much further north. It's you still common. got a ways to go. Water's still 40-some degrees in Pennsylvania. You still got a ways to well, go. Yeah, we saw oh, yeah. There's still generally. nine inches of ice in Minnesota. <laughs> like, <laughs> I talked to a buddy in Minnesota. He, I posted some pictures from Sunday, and he's like, quit putting pictures of you in shorts. We still have like nine and a half inches of ice Man. on our lakes. It just needs to stay um, that way. I will say, though, the, the flooding, like everyone likes flooded lakes. Like we love when Jordan gets flooded to a point. We to, love when other when other lakes get flooded to a point. But I'll tell you, based on talking to, well, you went out there and then other people on Jordan, like there's water that if it's so far back, you can't fish it. It also does impact the spawn potentially in a negative way. If they drop that water and those bass are up there in inches of water spawning and then they drop it, those eggs are trashed, right? Yep. And, and think about how fast the water moved to Jordan. It, 
the brag bass busters were was out there on saturday when when i went back and looked at the graph of the water level it went up seven feet during the day yeah so uh luckily they put it on the boat ramp that i mean they would have put in that pose (laughs) that boat ramp would have been underwater by the time they were done yeah yeah yeah. but um you know it went up so fast and then they drew it down fast yeah right only about a week and and then we got up to almost 10 feet high so with, with the water fluctuating that much, the bass are not going to make a bed and stay on it. I've seen yeah. that at other lakes and locations. Um, Bull Shoals a couple years ago, 60 degree water, there was some making some beds in the backs of creeks, mm-hmm. and then the flood came in and the water came up. And Yeah. It actually concerns there. me more for, for Harris a little bit because, I mean, granted, there's fry already. There, there's bass that have already spawned out. But there are bass still moving up on beds. And if they do drop the water on Harris where you were catching, we got an awesome clip and we'll put it on social media of Pete snatching one off the bed. But if they're spawning behind all those reeds and then they decide, hey, we're just going to pull that water, those eggs are trash because it's been so high for so long. With Jordan, you're right. It was high and then they dropped it. So maybe that didn't affect them as bad. What's the water tip of Harris? Uh, What were we getting? 68 70 72 that water temperature at 70 is eggs are done in two days yeah they'll they'll hatch fast and and they'll they'll be okay so a lot of those fish were just setting up though which was weird so you got a couple days with the dance and hopefully they'll hold water long enough or it starts to drop before they lay and they just build another bed it was uh it was definitely i wasn't expecting to find them behind the grass but yeah they were there and it was fun so So we've been having some fun we've been catching some fish we've had awesome weather but what's been going on in Texarkana? Somebody had a not fun time. Well, I mean, he had fun up until up until uh, verification time came. Yeah. Well, let's just talk about the entire event as a whole first. Yeah. A lot of guys didn't have fun. It was a tough event was down tough. there at uh, Wright Patman. We kind of like brief, briefly touched it, but look, the water was high. Pretty much, I didn't watch a lot of coverage of it because there wasn't a lot of fish catchers, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the water was high, flipping bushes. It looked to be cloudy, dreary, rainy weather there a lot. So mm-hmm. a lot it, of flipping bushes, yeah. Yeah. Frogs and uh, walking baits, and that was about it. And the sun was out, they would catch fish. The sun wasn't out a whole lot, and it made it tough. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking to one of the MPFL anglers, um, you know, the the water looked the same across the board. The the buck brush was in the water. I mean, that lake is pretty treacherous there's a lot of logs and and standing timber in that lake and and the person i spoke to said i ran into about 25 different standing trees but you either found the fish in a small area or you or you didn't catch any at all and those who found the fish were the ones that prospered and uh there was an unfortunate circumstance but we Mm. talked about it earlier in some of our episodes where it's like hey pete if you were king for a day what would you change for the rules and that was what you would make there would sure be consistent it would be consistent punishment. and i 100 percent agree with the punishment that was laid out there's been a lot of debate people think it's not well, fair before we get into it what happened so baron adams won well yeah he was first finished first had the weight uh, gave, they, they did the whole check. thing on handed him the big check and the trophy uh and if anybody if you've never fished a big tournament there's a whole behind the scenes after after weigh-in so if you finish in the top whatever uh there's a lie detector test uh polygraph uh, and then they verify some of that information. So they went through the the polygraph and asked him if he had a fishing license. He said, yeah, passed that with flying colors. Uh, when it was time to show the fishing license, turns out he didn't have one. So what he said, and I believe it since he did pass a polygraph, is he put all his information, clicked all the boxes, put his credit card, all that in there, and 
forgot to hit checkout, closed the window, and went on thinking he had a license. Yep. Unfortunately, he did it. So when they verified it, I think it was late, late Friday night. Um, they they DQ'd him uh, for all days of the tournament, which made Ryan Satterfield the 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 tournament winner. But Baron Adams loses a hundred thousand uh, dollars, loses all points from that event, and uh, tough deal for him. Like I said, there's been a lot of debate both ways. Some people think, oh, Ryan should share some of that money with Baron. Oh, uh, they shouldn't DQ him for that. Look, I probably the biggest thing I see is why don't they check licenses and insurances before a tournament? So to make it understandable for everybody, there's a lot of logistics that go into that. It's not as easy as just uploading it to a website and then, okay, it's good, it's there, I have it. Somebody has to go in and verify before the tournament, which means I have to pay somebody. Nobody's going to volunteer to look at 100, well, MPFL, 100, 100 licenses, right? 76. Think about... Yeah. Think about an open. Now you're talking about 400 and some licenses oh, yeah. with co-anglers, boaters, boat insurance, 200 and some boaters, boat insurance. The elites, 100 plus boats, insurance, licenses. All of that costs money to a tournament series. That either takes away from the winnings, which is going to anglers aren't going to want to fish, or they're going to somehow have to come up with the money to pay those people. So that's a big reason why. See, we, we saw it last year in an open with the insurance yeah, with Trey Swindell, Trey, which we talked about. It, it's not a big deal. It, like it's written, It's a written rule. No, no, not a big deal. Like As in, it would not be difficult to solve this problem. At the very beginning of the season, fishing licenses are good for a year. But the problem is, if I'm only going to a lake for three days... You're not gone for three days. You don't know that you're not you're even be able to pre-fish. What if you know you're not going to pre-fish? You're only going for even if you're only go through a week, you can buy a ten day license. That is true. Some states offer. So 10-day why license. buy a full year license? Like most of these anglers, if people don't know, are living on the edge of living. Like they might be living tournament so, tournaments so to, here, make, to make a truck payment. They might not be able to afford four thousand dollars in fishing license at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be that much, but it would not be hard to create a system beginning of the year. Put all your license for the NPFL. Was it four states? Six? Well, there's six events. I'm trying to remember. It might be six total states, right? Put your insurance in there. All the documents. You can have that done two months before. Actually, do it when the entry fees are due, or or well, that may not be work because some states are not a full calendar year. You have to buy them in January. Mm. But you can make the system work and check it. But but if you don't, and you want everyone to be big boys and girls, that's this is what happens. There needs to be accountability on the anglers and. If you just keep holding their hand through everything. So I'll tell you that I hope that they don't do that because it wouldn't give us anything to talk about. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, yes, you guys are right. Like there is probably a system design, but there is some integrity involved with it. Right. And they want to make sure that they there. Like you said, there's a lot of logistics, but they have to. There has to be some ownership from the angler's end, right? You're mm-hmm. entering into the tournament it, and stuff like that. So. And I think it was an honest mistake. I, I actually saw some great comments on Facebook. People were people were uh, sympathetic. Yes. And there was a couple comments that a lot the, the guys made that a lot of pro anglers they they 100 like that they rely on their wife to yep. make sure they've got all you know that checklist done before each event. And uh, there's a system in place because there is a lot that goes into it and and, because face it you you fish without a license you're breaking the state law yep i mean you're you're breaking the law and right there could be other consequences in the future i don't nothing's going to happen with this a lot of people saying like uh oh let the dnr worry about licenses blah blah blah. if you're one of those people just quit quit bass fishing (laughs) look we're as tournament anglers we're supposed to be 
the driving force behind conservation and doing things the right way. If you're okay with a guy fishing for 10 days without a license, keeping fish in his live well, then you're okay with poaching. Then you're okay with, yeah, exactly. Poaching. What does it matter? We got to set an example. And if they just let him, Oh, make sure you get it next time. Here's your hundred thousand dollars. What kind of example does that set as conservationist? We're supposed to be conservationists. The league did the right thing. Any league that would have done that would have done the right thing. And a lot of people were saying, well, let the, let the DNR worry about it. Well, there's, I don't, I don't, I don't care what the DNR does. And I, I'm Baron. If you, if you listen to this, we're not beating you up, man. I, I feel terrible. Like when I read it, I was sick to my stomach for you. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's, I can't even imagine. I know it's something will never happen again. You know, the one thing about the NPFL is it's kind of like a learn. I don't want to say a learning league because these guys are sticks, but some of these guys have never fished. I'm, I'm going to stop you there because Bass Open had a very similar issue last year. We mentioned with the insurance, and this is another interesting point I I heard brought up. Imagine, and this this really applies to the insurance issue, and, and goes back to why aren't tournaments checking this at the beginning of the year or beforehand? Guys fishing a tournament, something happens, he hits somebody else's boat, somebody dies. Yeah. Now they go to court. And the guy has no money, so who do they sue? They sue Bass. They sue the NPFL. Well, when you when you sign, you sign a waiver that you, Bass has no liability. If you choose yeah. not to have the insurance, they don't check it. But it's a legally binding document. It'll hold up in court. There's nothing. No. Oh, there yeah, are large because the conversation goes a little bit something like this: You require insurance for your tournament. Yes, absolutely. Uh, did he have insurance? No. Did you check it beforehand? No. So you you're not enforcing your own rules. No. So this has come up before, and the whole lawyer debate, and there's actually cases where this has happened on other tournament trails, and it's got thrown out in court because of a waiver that you signed. The league's not legally responsible for you not having it. It says it's spot-checked. Then how can they hold people accountable? Because it's a rule. You don't have to verify every rule. I don't verify. If I say you can only have 15 rods in your boat, and I don't go through 400 boats to make sure you only have 15 rods, you still violated a rule if you find out you have 16 rods in your boat. I don't, I'm not going through and counting everyone. It's no different than any other rule. It's no different than a life jacket rule. Do I know for sure that you have enough inside your boxes? I don't check your safety equipment, fire signatures, things like that. But the league's not going to be responsible if your boat catches on fire. It's the exact same thing. So as an angler, you're responsible for certain things. And those are like insurance, licenses, safety equipment. Those are the things you're responsible for. And I don't think in any way shape or form any of these organizations should take any liability in any of that because all they are is a medium for you to to legally gamble it is interesting when you think about it like even if you put yourself in like a contractor's position and you subcontract a company to do said construction for a job and you require that subcontractor to carry a certain amount of workman's comp and a certain amount of liability insurance mm-hmm. so that if something happens on the job, your business isn't paying that workman's comp, your business isn't paying that liability for an accident and they fail to have the insurance. It's a really gray area. Even we though ver- it's- you verify that in the contract world because I do that every day. Okay, so you do verify <laughs> but it, right? you have to use a third-party company to verify it who actually logs all of that and it's about $25,000 a year for that system for one company. Be- because because that's the big issue about hiring contractors. You want to make sure people are insured yeah. and bonded. Because that's if right. something happens when they're working, who are those people going after? Oh, they're going after you if yes. they're not. Yeah. yeah. Or you have nobody to go after if they burn your house to the ground if they don't have insurance. So it 
I get what you're saying, Ben. Like, it come back on the league, but there have been instances where that's been thrown out in court because of that waiver. They do what they can to cover themselves. I'm originally from Missouri. A big you're going to have to show me. <laughs> a big, I'll, I'll, I'll look those up. There, a couple of them were Texas, some of those bigger uh, bigger leagues down there where they're giving Maybe we you know, can big try to get an attorney stuff like that. on. Yeah, that, that dealt with one of these Maybe cases. Maybe we can get that attorney on Ufala who lied about who he was and what was hole holding for that guy. <laughs> Maybe he'll be able to tell us. But no, anyway, Baron, we're not yeah. beating you up. This no. this has been really good debate, and there's you know there's a lot a lot more that can go into it. I for one, I think Trey's on the same page as me. I don't think the league should have to check everybody's license. I think as an adult fishing professionally, you should have some liability. You should be able to have a system in place to make sure you have everything. This is a terrible, again, terrible circumstance, and I feel terrible for Baron. I hate it. Um, I hate that you lost the points, the money, and and that everybody's talking. I hate that we have to talk about it. I mean, it's good content, but I hate that we even have to talk about it. The one comment that I because saw. Because this guy's going to be sick of hearing it. Oh, of course. And, and in fact, I think he's joining uh, Stephanie and Harvey on, on their podcast on the Bass Hub. Yeah, the Bass Hub. Um, but the one comment I did see, and I, and I chuckled at this, was, Somebody asked the question, well, what is the penalty? <laughs> what is the penalty for not having a fishing license? And somebody underneath said a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and I was like, dang, that's, Ooh, a, too that's soon. a sick burn. Too but, but you're right. <laughs> it, it sucks. It happens. It's a lesson learned. It's a warning label on a box. That's why warning labels on boxes were created, right? Because we we seen something bad happen. So hopefully this never happens again. Hopefully uh, his career prospers with the MPFL, but you know, this is something for us to talk about. And it's something to educate the, the public on is anglers have a sense of accountability. The organization has a sense of accountability, Yeah, which one that, they don't trump each other. And They're I both think the, equally important. The last kind of point to your, your point about being able to do it all at the beginning of the year, upload it to a website if you can do it all at the beginning of the year, why do I even need to upload it to the website? Just go buy everything and know that you already have the beginning of the year and you self-verify. Okay, I got everything I need. I'm good to go. Why should the league have to invest time or money in the offseason to pay uh, somebody you know, to verify that stuff? That was just the verification process. So I, I know what you're they, saying. So they don't get bad press like that. Again, like at the same time, at the same time, the angler at the beginning of the year can say, there's our schedule. I need these six licenses and go buy them and oh, be done with Pete, it. We talked about this, but the reason why someone doesn't, cause they don't want to buy a full year license. They want a 10 day license. Compl- yeah. So that makes, that makes sense. There's a lot of but, things. I mean, you know, it sucks. I will say I, you know, it's, it sucks. It happened, but I respect the NPFL for doing this just like bass last year. I mean, you're talking about paperwork, minor infractions. You, you know, so it's, I mean, look at the comments. A lot of people are like, are you really serious on both these events? Those guys got disqualified, and you look at some of the other things that have happened on the other tour the last year. Yep, and that's what I I brought up the consistency thing. You have two guys in BPT that violated a state law, and they didn't lose any points or anything. So that's why I'd like to see that stuff written in stone. If you haven't listened to our episode about us taking over the league, that's going back changed. a few months too. Yeah, that's yeah, one of our first episodes. Go listen to it. We have some really good stuff. But mine was consistency across the board because one of those guys. And I'll I'll call it right out was Jacob Wheeler, and he's Jacob Wheeler, and essentially nothing happened to him. Um, BPT MLF paid the fine for him, said we told him they could do it. We didn't we didn't tell them you know check the state laws, blah blah blah. Uh, so they basically took all the liability off Jacob Wheeler. If that was me, 
Is my league going to take it off me? Has, has I'll, not be, Jacob I'll Wheeler. Jacob. I know you would hook me up. <laughs> but. It, it's interesting, and uh, we definitely want to hear the comments uh, from everybody listening for sure because uh, there's so many opinions on this topic, but it's really hard to find a healthy balance between accountability from the angler side and accountability from the league side. So, yeah, Baron sucks that it happened. The last thing I want to say on this before we move on, and we'll make it a dead subject, subject so we just talked about it for 20 minutes, <laughs> is kudos to the professional National Professional Fishing League and the statement they put out supporting their angler, talking about the integrity that he has and that it was an honest mistake and how proud they are to have him fishing with them. Uh, so to the ownership at the, at the league, everybody involved in that, showing that you have your anglers back, even – in some negative times, some bad press coming your way. Just, I'm, you know, we've talked about how much we like the league, but I was blown away. That's not something you you expect to see. You hope that it happens, but when you actually see it come to fruition, it really makes you feel good about supporting, you know, a startup league that's competing with the big dogs, paying out that kind of money, and and uh, you know, letting everybody know, hey, this was an honest mistake. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So now, now that we uh, so NPFL wrapped up the same actually a few days later, uh, Bassmaster at Lake Murray wrapped up, mm. and uh, Drew Bitten took that one. Oh. Uh, if if you catched our if you caught our live a couple of days before catched that Friday, catched it, yeah, no, <laughs> if, 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 if you, if, catch all of them fit. Um, if you caught our live or watched it uh, a couple of days before that, Pete and I were sitting here talking because uh, Drew Bitten uh, was absolutely hammering them, but we said Saturday with the weather coming and it wasn't as bad as as they were predicting earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. But even up here, it rained half the day. It was cloudy. We we're like, uh, yeah, those bedfish won't be there. And they weren't. He only had 14 pounds and barely made it on um, day three. 10th. He, he, had, he was right last one in the cut. And then he had a massive day, 26 pounds, trapping us up Sunday. I guess no one steals his spots and he can sight fish. And uh, he won the tournament. Uh, yeah. Good. It was it was interesting. I, I thought that if Hunter Shryock was able to keep the momentum he had – he would pull off that win, and he would have, except for Drew Benton knocked out almost twenty-seven pounds worth of bass. That was the Sunday. biggest bag of the tournament, and yeah. it was giant. And and you don't see that a whole lot on the last day of a fishery being put under all of that pressure, and then the biggest sack of the tournament being brought in the very last. And day. I almost went down there this week. In fact, I. Should be down there right now, but you know the weather is going to be like in a couple of days. It's yeah. going to be cloudy and rainy. I was like, uh, let's see how Santee Cooper goes next week, and maybe yeah. we'll go down there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, it was it was a good tournament. You know, sight fishing won it, so you had a bunch of sight fishing, uh, bed fishing, but then a lot of blueback herring spawn uh, and two. So were the two main patterns. So you set a lot of top waters too, uh, top water action yeah. at the event. So that was event four. Right, yeah, fourth event for Bass or third? It was their third event of the season. Third event Okeechobee, of the season. Seminole, then they had the Classic, and then, and then, and then Murray, and now they move right up the road to Santee Cooper, which is going to be awesome. Yeah, with so that said, that means third of the way through the season. Third of the way through the season. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll be almost halfway at the end of next week because of, uh, of Lake Murray. So we wanted to take this time and kind of do a quick recap or look at where everyone's sitting for the Angler of the Year. Uh, which is important for a couple of reasons. Angler of the year is obviously it, it's the prize possession and you're the most consistent through the year. It comes with a, a big trophy. Um, and then the bottom 10, right. For the angler, the those are the ones who are likely to be cut. And then in Bassmaster, you need to be a, about that 44th spot to ensure you're in the classic. Yep. Yep. Um, and so right now, 
you know, just run through the top 10 and then we can talk about a couple of guys if you want to. We got Brandon Cobb is first, which I didn't expect that when I when we brought it up. Tyler Rivette, Carl Jockerson, Kyle Welcher, Drew Cook, Drew Bitten, Shane LaHue, Greg Hackney, Lee Livesey, and Mike Iaconelli rounding Hall of out Famer. the top Hall of Famer sitting in the top 10 for AOI for the year. Yeah. You talk about comeback of like comeback angler of the year yeah. if they have that award. Cause last year was really rough on with his first year back. Yeah. I think he finished dead last or almost dead last in the tournament. And it, I would say it was surprising, but I'm not surprised. A lot of people figured he would have a good year coming back. Uh, most people, myself included, think when Ike took his retirement and walked away, he was probably fishing the best he ever had out of his career. Mm. Uh, he had enough points at that time in the BPT to qualify for like the next seven years wow. uh, just because of the, the amount of points that he had built up. Uh, he actually came back and fished the heavy hitters even though he was retired when it was here at Jordan and Sharon Harrison. He didn't do great, but he hadn't been tournament fishing. And I think it showed that coming back into it, you know, he requalified through the Open, so he did well enough there. But getting back to that level, uh, and he's talked about it, it was the mentality. It was getting back to thinking thinking a certain type of way, doing things, and he's right back there in the top ten. I, I think when he walked away, where where he was fishing is one of the best in the in the country. It it is interesting when when a lot of us watch the seasons, whether or not it's the major tournament circuits. You know, locally, we, we pay attention to the winners, but I think nationally, everyone pays attention to the winners. They always have the winners on the podcast and doing the post-tournament recaps of the winners. But I, I like to watch the points race for the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year was amazing with Brandon Lester, and I know he was talked about on some of the other podcasts. Like, he was only a few points away from beating Polinek. And so when you look at the most consistent anglers across the board, you don't really hear a lot of those names. Obviously, Tyler Rivette, he got a win. Uh, Drew, He's been consistent. Yeah. Brandon Cobb's been ex- really consistent this year. Right. When I said I was surprised at Cobb, I was surprised to see him at one because he hasn't won right. this year. Mm-hmm. Two, you know, and a lot of the other names, except Shane LeHue, I haven't heard a lot about this year. But like watching live coverage, they're on their boat. You see, you're right. You see them on on social media, on the news. So if I had to pick the two, I was most surprised by Brandon Cobb and, and Shane LeHue this year. Is just I haven't seen as much of them, but they're obviously being very consistent because they're they're in the top ten. Well, they're up there because Brandon Cobb's first event he placed third. Nobody talks about third place. Yeah. His second event he placed eighth. Nobody talks about eighth place. His third Elite Series event, not we're not talking the classic. He placed sixth. So he's That's going to do it. He's been in the top eight for three tournaments in a row. Um, Tyler Rivette, obviously, he got a first place win, and then he had a third place, and then he had a 30th place. So it shows you that even though you drop down and have a 30th place, depending on where you fall within the rest of the tournament season, like you have a shot, but that's about the biggest bomb you probably can have is in that 30th to 50th range before. If you if you average 30th in the elites, you'll finish in the top 10 in yeah. any of the year. But unless it, unless you're Polonic and then you can finish dead last. Well, then you can have a <laughs> I, I think he finished last he or was almost close or almost he was down there. Oh, way he was way down there. But you know, you just have to win two or three in a yeah. year and you're, you're good to go. Greg Hackney being back in there, yeah. You know, it's been he's he's been consistent since he came back to bass. He's had some good events, but fishing back at that high level five fish tournament again. Uh, good to see a guy like that. Always loved Greg Hackney because I, I like to fish like him, shallow jig. Where you know a lot like John Cox and them, you know, like Fish Lee Levisay, without um, having a Texas tournament is uh, right there. Yeah, you know? 
He's consistent, man. I think so. You got a couple OGs in that top ten, and you got you don't have any rookies in that top ten, though. How about Carl Jockinson in there? Carl Jockinson, Jockinson, however you say his he name. He is he is somebody that I mean. First of all, his YouTube content's amazing. The the dedication, the attitude he has, like he crushes it, man. Like and I, and I think that I think you'll see him host an, uh, hoist another trophy. I think he won on Lake 10 killer back in what was it 2017 or something like that 2015 that was his one and only elite series uh win but he has been consistent across the board and when you look at the best anglers at the national level it's those guys right there the ones that stay consistent they may never get a w i i think bernie shoals has never got mm-hmm. an elite series win he's been close but yeah he's but he's in one. contention a lot specifically on the florida fisheries but, you know, besides seeing all the social media posts of everyone hoisting a trophy and stuff, these are the guys that aren't talked about. And and I think it's important for everyone to pay attention to that points race because those are the guys to beat right there. They may never get a W, but they're always going to be in the Elite Series, and they're probably not going to get cut. You know what I mean? So Unlike the, the bottom 10 yeah. that stand at risk of being cut at the end of the year. And on that list right now, we've got Gary Klaus. Um Kyle Norsetter, Brian New, Frank Talley, Paul Mueller, Larry Nixon, uh, David Williams, Clinton Davis, Mike Huff, Keith Pochet. Like, it's still, I mean, third of the way through the season, one of these guys win one, right? They're going to be right back into it. A lot of, lot of flex. Except got, Keith Pochet, because he only has eight points. I mean, if he won one, <laughs> that puts him like probably 70 or something right now. Maybe. So, but, I don't know. Depending but, on how everybody else <laughs> He's... But we we've talked about him yeah. and he you know but, he's kind but of but Poche's bed was made yeah. after the first event when he couldn't make it to Okeechobee because he made the cut at uh, where was it Toho Yosemite yeah. chain and, and then he won the event on the Tennessee River and then he won the event on the Tennessee River so of course he's going to f- go ahead and fish Lake Murray knowing full well that Bass is going to disqualify him because mm. th- that precedent had been set uh, a couple years prior. Larry Nixon's a he's a legend legend on there so he's probably I mean. He could, they could try to cut him, but he'll just legend status back in if yeah, he wants well, to keep fishing. You know, that is um, interesting for a legend. How long do they get to maintain that status before they actually get cut? It's a point system. It's a point system. It's based he's, upon and he's classic got, He's got enough to go for a while. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like Rick Clun. Rick's down there. He's just outside of the bottom 10. Yeah. He's had a couple rough years, but he's got enough points. 50-some years of fishing BASS events to to stick around for a while if he wants to. Mm-hmm. Guys that are really in trouble and honestly may not make it back, Brian knew. Yeah. Brian's in some trouble. He His don't suck motto, he's, he's been struggling. I like Brian. <laughs> he's sort of a local guy uh, from Saluda down there, so not too far from us. Um, but he's had a – man, he came in like gangbusters, won the first event he ever fished, hoisted yeah, a blue trophy – and has just kind of been spiraling a little bit downhill since then. He had a okay kind of first half of the season last year, mm-hmm. uh, but then kind of started to fall off, and it's carried over this year. And he's you know he he's beating himself up. I'm not going to beat him up. I can't even imagine the pressure making it there. Finally, you know your dream, and uh, you know Destin was is a friend of ours, and he kind of went through the same thing. All of a sudden, you're you're fishing against the best hundred guys in the world, uh, you know, on a bass fishery, and but. For me, in that bottom 10, looking right now, he's the one I'm most worried about not being back. Guys like David Williams, so David's been around for a long time. With BASS, um, they take a two-year average, 
Uh, if you fish more than two years, though, you can drop a year and then pick up another in, in that period. So if you have a bad year, you can drop it. You can kind of save yourself. But Brian News in his second year of his rookie year, he doesn't have a year to drop. So if he's in that top ten in, in the or in that bottom ten in the average, he's in trouble. Keith Poche, this is his rookie year back on the elites, correct? Yeah, this is Brian News' third year on the elites. Mm-mm. Yeah, he fished twenty twenty one and he won his very first event. That was twenty two, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it's 21. I think this is his third season. Okay. I, I, oh, it's I all to running together. It, but yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, the, the the season, especially with COVID and stuff, things oh, got nice. kind of weird. But yeah. Uh, we'll Google it real fast. I'm going to look it we'll up keep, right now. Keep, keep talking. talking. It's, it's worth a Google. But yeah, definitely um, Brian knew. You know, and we talk, like you always hear anglers and, and people talk about momentum. I don't know. Maybe there's something in life or something that happened that just was like, boom, put it to a screeching halt. Mm -hmm. But you're definitely seeing something happen in that angler's uh, decision-making process to where either A, he's just having some serious bad luck or or he's just not on him. You know what I mean? He's just not finding them or he's just not staying with the, with his, uh, the other competitors. So it'll be interesting. I mean, there's plenty of events left for the year for him to make up that ground. Um, I know he, I, I think he does relatively well in the smallmouth fisheries. Um, I know he, he did really well in, uh, in Mississippi. They're not fishing there again though this year, are they? Mm, where at? They're not fishing up in the Mississippi river, are they? In Wisconsin, let's see a bass. They've got uh, Lay Lake next, and then they're do, let's see what else they're doing. St. Clair, yeah, they're doing one in New York. I don't think so. I th- but but I th- I'm th- I, I'm, yeah, because they went last year, and BPT is going uh-huh. up to you're right uh, that way. So I had I had a year lost in there somewhere. COVID but, year. But imagine the feeling. But ima- imagine the feeling of the of the anglers in the bottom ten, the bottom nine. Those are the ones that are sweating bullets. And then the anglers in the top nine in the elite qualifiers, those are the ones that are coming for your lunch money. They want you to fail so that they can make it. The funny thing is, by the last two events, everyone in the top 10 is feeling the pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody in the bottom 10 is feeling the pressure. And anyone from about 25 to 65 is feeling the pressure to make the classic. That's right. So unless you're top twenty, yep, going to the last couple of tournaments, yeah, and, and you're still not guaranteed because you finish dead last in two events and it just falls off the rails. Like you're probably not going to make it, but uh, or the odds drastically go down. But so I did look it up, Trey. Twenty twenty one was Brian's rookie year, so I, okay. I lost a year somewhere. Well, <laughs> well all we together. all lost a year. Um, like let's be honest, but, we all uh, lost a year. But still, even at three years, if he's had two bad. If too bad enough, and and it makes it tough. But it, I, I know, just back not to interrupt. I know we were talking about other stuff, but like David Williams, yeah, that guy's been around for like thirty years. He's had a couple good in the last five. He can drop one, and and it helps him. But Keith might be in trouble too. I know Ben doesn't agree with me. He thinks he'll bounce back, but <laughs> having eight points through three events, eight when the leader has three hundred and something, that's a tough one to. That's a tough hole to dig yourself out of. I get, the whole thing comes down to. And again, Bass hasn't officially published the rules, but based upon the EQ, you read between the lines, what you think should happen is they drop nine or 10, right? And then the nine or 10 from the open come up and maybe the Bass Nation too, right? That's supposed to be. I, I don't think, they, it, I think they what, did change the Bass Nation rule. They don't make it to, they just do the classic for them now. So whatever, whatever it is, right? However many they're dropping, right? That's how many they're going to pick up. 
Um, you know, Pete and I go back and forth, but that means you only need to be 89th place after two years. So statistically and probability, like if Keith fishes all the events the next two years and, and is his normal self. Well, right? next year. Or the rest of this year and, yeah. and, and next year, then he'd probably be okay. The, the problem is for him if he decides to fish BPT again next year and that, there's a conflict. That will be the issue. He's going to have to make a decision and either sacrifice the elites altogether. No, I mean, he's he's knowingly going to have to make that decision. And, yep. and that's where John Cox was. And he made the decision that, that the elites were right for him and not, you know, not the BPT. Uh, and we go back and forth because Bass has a history. If you look at their cuts of not always doing what makes sense because they don't have it clearly defined nine up, nine down. They leave room. So if they want to say they only want 98 anglers, they're going to take whatever they need to take to get to 98 anglers with those nine or 10 coming in. So it's not clear. It's clear as mud. And it's the same with BPT. <laughs> We're going to talk about them next. Clear as mud is right. But, clear as mud. But there are some variables too. So even though Nixon is in the bottom, he can use legend status. He can legend status. So yeah. he doesn't kind of he kind of doesn't count, right? So with the guys yeah. that are fishing the EQs, they're they're looking at that. They're saying, okay, Rick Klon, yeah, he's going to be around. Larry Nixon, yeah, he's going to be around. Who knows who's going to drop out for medical reasons, for financial reasons, for other reasons? There's no telling what could happen. So 15 anglers could drop out of the elites. History, his bass history though, they still are going to take those bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number. They're definitely Even if 15 take, drop. Right. Because but, they'd rather be at 100 or less than over 100. Is there, is, and there, there's lots of publications where they talk about it. That's their sweet spot. So if 15 leave, they bring nine. They're probably still going to take nine or 10, and then they're going to get them room to to get other yeah. people in there. It's They'll figure it out. But the yeah. guys in the bottom now, it's tough. They're all, potentially on the cut and block at the end of the year, but it's still. Some of these guys, third of the Frank week. Tally. The way Frank's through. been around for Has a he? long time. Yeah. He's 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 an OG for sure. Is he? But if I was in the top eleven, if I was eleventh in the elite qualifiers, I would hope that eleven people fall out. <laughs> well, we're talking bass. <laughs> we can talk I mean? about. It. I have the top ten pulled up. Yeah, there. let's talk of those guys just real quick. So the top ten bass uh, in the EQs, we have Ben Milliken, Brett Cannon are tied for first. <laughs> Excuse me, I apologize. Bless you, bless you. Um, John Garrett sitting in second, which we third. Uh, Matt Henry, Trey McKinney, who's an absolute stud, if y'all don't know Trey. Uh, Jacob Bigelow, Wesley Gore, uh, Keith Tuma, Josh Bragg, and Kenta Kimura. I'm sure I butchered that last name. Isn't he fishing the Elite I thought too? he was on the Elite Series. He, he must be. I'm pretty sure. He, he must be yeah. ensuring he's qualifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's looking for a classic qualifying. Yeah. He is, he is insured. Plus, I think uh, you know some of the Japanese anglers, and I, I don't know for sure about Kenta, but... Because they're so far away from home, they just fish. They do whatever they can fish. It's a right? long, there's a long history if you look at them guys fishing everything because they don't really have friends here. They may or may not have a girlfriend or family here. Not that they don't have friends. There's a whole. And the, if, the, if you ever get a chance to go to an event like the Classic and one of the Japanese anglers are fishing, uh, Bass has a guy. I don't even know if he's paid. I've talked to him before, never asked. But he's like the liaison. So he yeah. brings these people over. He make he knows he speaks the language. He gets them to the events, helps them make the arrangements. He usually walks around with big cardboard signs with their faces on it, getting people hyped up for him. Yeah, uh, it's a really cool deal. But yeah, they don't have that. So they you'll see historically fishing all the opens, fish, fishing BFLs, fishing yeah. local tournaments, fishing the elite, like anything they can because they don't have anything else to do but fish. Yeah, I need that life. Maybe and, I can go to Japan and, and do that. And they're, and they're crushing it, by the way. If you look at the Japanese anglers and bring in their like extreme finesse techniques over to our fisheries, where 
they only have a, I would say a handful, if not maybe one major fishery with, for bass, they have to fish that way in their country because those bass are so pressured. So the techniques that they're bringing over here are phenomenal. And, and you're seeing the results. They're top 10 in it. There's anglers in the, in the Bassmaster Classic and Red Crest and all that stuff. So they're doing a great job. And they're innovators too, man. Yeah. I wish Japan, I spoke Japan Japanese, and Japanese anglers. The stuff, I would, that would be my job. That'd be the job be I cool. apply for. The stuff know? they do, like with tackle and then, you know, Taku was the first one to put like six live scopes on his trolling motor. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he, he did he, it last he, year. I love, he had, I love, Taku. I love talking yeah. too, man. He, I can't wait to see that dude lift a blue trophy. It's going to be great. Let's see if Mike um, Cor- well, Corbett. No, that was an open. He won. No, he did win no, an elite. He won it because, yeah, he yeah. Could, because he couldn't. He lift couldn't it lift up. it up. That's right. <laughs> I want to see him win another one now that his English is a little bit better. But Taku's that great. Was last year or the year before. It the was, year before, yeah. yeah. I've got to meet him a few times. Super nice guy. Does not speak very good English. Uh, it's getting better, but he's like just one of the nicest people I've ever met. Super appreciative of the opportunity. Um, so a guy that's not on here that I want to talk about real quick before we move on. Uh, we're, we don't need to go through the EQs. We're going to talk about them a bunch. Ben Milliken, Trey McKinney, two absolute hammers. That I know Brett Cannon. I've heard the name. There's a lot of guys there, but a guy on the elite series now that might be in some trouble, Matty Wong. Yeah. He's not shown in that bottom 10 right now, but he has not been great. Yeah. I think two he's years on the like elite. 83rd. Uh, in AOI, he's in the 80s and somewhere. he wasn't had a, had a tough year last year, so there, there's a lot of anglers that could be in trouble. And uh, I don't want to cut about, I don't want to talk too much about guys' dreams getting killed, but yeah, you know, the, we'll, dream, the dream's not killed, you just got to get back. That's right, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, see where that fleshes out at the and, end of it. And with the EQs, right, still, there's a lot more events, seven more events, right? We're going into what number four. Or no, this no, is number three. This is number three, yeah. right? So yeah, they're, so they're just more. getting started, right? They've well, had, six more. Yeah, they've had uh, two events so far. So so after just getting started, after everyone hears this, uh, no, the they're coming here. So this will this come out after Bugs stop, Island. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'll have some on the water stuff. I got a day lined up with Destin to do a media ride along during practice. So we'll uh, we'll get some info. This will already be out, but. Uh, that stuff probably won't come out till after the tournament because if Destin, I'm not going to give Destin's juice away, but uh, <laughs> hoping to bring y'all some some stuff. So look for that to come out after this episode. Some kind of on the water stuff. Pete, you're the one that tells us when it's time to grow the sport. It's time to grow the sport. That sounds like it's time to grow <laughs> well, the sport. I, no, yeah, 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 I can't. So, I can't do that to my boy Destin and give his juice away right before the tournament. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I got you. I think that this event on Bugs Island coming up is going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough because the fish are going to be potentially in a post a spawn to post spawn quick funk. Uh, Maybe it'll turn on and stuff, but you know, you got, it's a blueback herring lake as well. Not a huge one, but it's a good lake. It fishes small. We'll see what happens. Looking forward to uh, some of our buddies doing really well. And and I can't wait to see that meteorite along that you get to do. It'll be an interesting one for sure. You know, we're, we're going to transition here and talk about the BPT Top 10. And actually, they got an event going on right now, the Heavy Hitters. Before we get there, uh, you know, the NPFL that we talked about in the beginning, you know, they've just had two events. They've got four more. So they're third of the way season two, just like Bass. But I, I did want to give a shout out that friend of the show, Mike Corbishley, is sixth right now for Angler of the Year in NPFL. So uh, that is awesome. There's actually a couple other North Carolina local boys on there. Um, Jesse Wise. Brad Staley. And Brad Staley are also in the top 10. So North Carolina showing out over in the NPFL. Yeah, and it, and it frustrates me because they're so darn good, and I 
fished against a couple of them. And it was like, I might as well just give you my money <laughs> right now. But it is cool, man. And and that's the that's the cool thing about fishing against the uh, you know, the MPFL and, and bass anglers and stuff like that. You know, these guys don't just fish the national level circuits they come when they come back home they still fish and it's really cool to to get to hang out with them and and they show you some tips and tricks if they're willing to share and most of them are if if you have a good relationship yep and corbishly is someone to look out for on the mpfl for sure absolutely yeah do the stick then and if we look over the top 10 on the um BBT, mm. right? BBT. One of my favorite anglers all time in the lead there, Mr. Ott Defoe. Ott Defoe yeah. right lead, now. then followed by Chris Lane, Andy Morgan, Nick LeBron, Dakota Ebert. Keith Poche is six. So although he's dead last in Bassmaster, he is in the top 10 for uh, BPT, which explains why he's fishing there this year for sure. Edwin uh, Evers, uh, Annie Montgomery, John Hunter, and Jeff Sprague find out the, the uh, top 10. So but, there, there's a couple rookies in there. So there's a couple rookies on the BBT. So one of those being Nick LeBron, and he fished, uh, he fished FLW before, I believe, but he's an absolute hammer. And uh, John Hunter, he's another rookie that's uh, that's new to the Bass Pro Tour this year. Both of them are really good anglers. Um, both Nick's of them, fished a classic too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it just goes to show you, man. Like they got some momentum. I mean, going from the I don't know how they got there. I guess the Invitationals from the Invitationals to the BPT. What was it last year, though? Uh, the the Toyo- uh, Pro Tackle Warehouse Pro Series. Yeah, Pro yeah. Circuit. Um, and I think they solidified it a little bit more. They're stepping stones to getting to the Bass Pro Tour. But uh, it's it's cool to see that that momentum from, I don't know, the AAA Series or whatever. Yeah, to, yeah I, I still think it's harder, but they're they're smoking it man and then you got old sticks in there like Andy Morgan who man Andy Morgan is he good is just he's been around for so long and he I like the way that he fishes. I wish I could flip a jig like him. He's a great guy too. And he's, he's a great guy. If you guy. ever got to meet Andy, he's super super human. Yep. But uh yeah, you you make a good point, Ben. Keith Poche sitting right there in the middle of the pack and then bottom of the barrel for Bassmaster. I mean that that's what happens, right? When yep. You can't go to events and you're winning on the other tour. Well, you're going to stick with the one you got yeah. the chance to win the money. It's yeah, Keith being at the point. bottom on on BPT isn't any indication of Keith's ability. It's no. it's purely he's it's priority. He's having momentum in BPT he, and he's he riding did that not momentum. Fish like, two events. Yeah, zero. Yeah. When you he, zero two events, you're you're right. It's tough holding. He didn't even cast the line. So like yeah, right. That that's why he's sitting where he's at on on bass. And then we flip over the bottom ten for the BPT. Matt Lee. I mean, there's some there's some names here, Randall that, Tharp, that are quite big in the industry. Yeah, Randall Tharp. Jeff, uh, I forget how to say it. Isn't it Crete? Jeff Crete. Crete. Mm-hmm. Timmy Meyer. Timmy Horton. David Boyd Walker. Duckett. Do you think Boyd will kick himself out of his own league? I mean, uh, <laughs> the last podcast I listened to with him, uh, he said he will keep fishing as long as they let him keep fishing. So we'll see. Yeah, if they, yeah. Can, they do have a board that that does that. Tommy um, Biffle's in there. Dean Rojas. Dean Rojas. Mark Daniels Jr. That's the one that surprises me the most, to be honest. Kelly Jordan, who isn't Kelly a rookie too? No, Kelly Jordan's been around for a long time. I'm confusing him with somebody else. Yeah. Jonathan Kelly, who's only been two years yeah. in the league. He's, that's who I'm thinking of. And then Boyd. Yeah, Boyd. So. so so look at the bottom 10 of the BPT. Names like Tommy Biffle. Names like Timmy Horton. Names like Randall Tharp. Jeff Creek. Guys that have been around for a long time. And then you look at the bottom of the Elite Series. Guys like Larry Nixon, even though he just came back. Guys like Rick Klun. Guys like David Williams, right? We, And I think we talked about that before. Is like, is there a point 
where momentum runs out and age starts kicking in and things start just kind of going down a little bit and affecting performance. And Ben, I know you talked about it, like, especially with Rick Klon, I think somebody asked, like, what do you think it is? It's ultimately age and you slow down, right? You're not going to be as fast tiring knots. You're not going to, if you can see the knots, I mean, I'm sure a lot of these guys, their eyesight's not good now, right? Yeah. And so they got to focus more. Your, your body hurts. Um, I mean, you and I, right, we're both hurt from the army. So, you know, sometimes standing out all day, right. We're sore afterwards. Right. And imagine, yeah. right. Just compound that by another 30 or 40 years. Yeah. Um, being on the water for seven, eight days straight. It, that that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. And, and what is interesting is that, you know, we see in the bottom 10 on both some OGs, but what is particularly interesting is to me, when you look at bass, there seems Right, there's a bunch of new names, a bunch of younger guys involved. I wonder in the long run, is this hurting the BPT because you have guys that are slowly declining? Yeah. Right. Because when they post everyone from Bass, they post all the big names. Yes. And right, now it's been four or five years, right? It's right, declining. It was also surprised me, Jacob Wheeler's not in the top ten this year right now either. But that's yeah, I think prob- he's sitting in twenty third, twenty fifth in the points. But yet, yet that's going to change. Hey, has his momentum? Has Jacob Wheeler's momentum ran out? And we'll, we'll see that. We talked about it back in our like first episode or second episode when we talked about MLF and the rules changes. And it's, I think some of this is the change to five fish. Guys flourished off of. And got used to not fishing five fish. Now, Jacob still fished five fish local stuff and did some other things. But when you start competing against guys again at a level at five fish, and you talked about two rookies being in there, those two rookies came right out of fishing for five fish. They did. They're, I think what you're seeing is some of that shift in the change in mentality. Jacob Wheeler's a stick. We know it. He could go out. If they went back to total weight, he'd probably go out tomorrow and catch 300 two pound spots on a lake and win. You know, on a lake that doesn't because, even have spots. Because bass. that was a different mentality. <laughs> and now back to five fish, you're looking for different bites. You got to kind of change the way you're fishing and the way you're doing yeah. things a little bit. I'm, I'm, and I think that's what we're seeing. I'm going to reserve judgment to the end of the year. I mean, yeah. again, there BPT's over the third of the way done, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, this um, is their fourth of yeah. Well, this sun doesn't count, but, but they fish for it. But it's still early. They still have uh, quite a few events. I mean, like Wheeler's, I think twenty fifth. But when you look at the point spread between them, it's, it's, it's not that it, big. it's it's not a lot. Yeah. So, right, and like I always check to see what he's doing. Right, you know, at the events, you know, he's still making cuts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, just not quite as high. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I'll reserve judgment at the end of the season. And I wonder, right, Pete, you brought up a good point, right? They change it. It does, right? They change the five fish strategies. I wonder how it affects, right, the heavy, like, now heavy hitters is going on right now. Oh, you want mm-hmm. to talk about this whole confusing... <laughs> I was confused. I looked it up. Nine fish, right? So, so heavy hitters apparently is not it's a to- five fish. It's total weight. It's total weight. And they've probably got a two-pound limit. And then championship will be three pounds, I'm yeah. sure, just like it, you know, it's annoying. It, it tr- traditionally is. <laughs> I'm just gonna be straight. It's annoying. You're not even like, fishing it. <laughs> I, but I can't imagine was well, an angler. It's got to be annoying. As, sure. as somebody trying yeah. to watch it and keep up, like Ben said, I haven't had time to to really watch any of it. But when you go look and it's nine fish for this weight, you're like, what? Why? Oh, we're doing it the old way now. Like, why is it different for that? Why didn't they do that for Redcrest? How are the other cup events? Are they all going to be five fish or are they going to do total weight? Like, 
the whole thing's just a hodgepodge mess right now, in my but opinion. You, know what? you have no idea what they're doing. It gives us something to talk about. It does. <laughs> Great content. And let's talk about it right Whoa. now. Um, quick mention, right? So down there, so group, yeah, again, we're only two days down with the heavy hitters, but wanted to bring it up. Alton Jones Jr., group A on day one, is leading with 34 pounds. 14 ounces with nine fish. 33, 14. 33, 14 of nine fish. The biggest fish of, of day one was uh, Dakota Eber with uh, nine five. And then group B, Andy Morgans uh, took the took the win for day one, group B. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be 33 pounds, 12, uh, 33 pounds, 12 ounces, 11 fish. And then big fish was seven, eight. Dustin Connell beat out his buddy, Jacob Wheeler, by one ounce. Um, so it's Trey, interesting. Trey, how's that feel when you get beat by one ounce? Uh, you know, we need to calibrate the scales, uh, you know what I'm saying? But no, man, I mean, it, it happens. Um, you know, you talked about, we need to revisit what you said earlier. We didn't, we didn't go on it. Mark Daniels Jr. Like sitting at the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. What an interesting feeling that must be to be in the same household as Wheeler and Connell and Adrian Avina. And you and, and he talks about it. Like he has a YouTube series and mm-hmm. he talks about that and he he's taken his, his audience, his fan base along for the ride, but you were getting ready to mention it earlier. Like it's, it's surprising to see MDJ down there yeah. in the bottom. It's also surprising to see um, who is the other one that was down in the bottom. Uh, scroll back up real quick. Let's check it out. And, and as we look here, you know, it's, you know, Mark Downs Jr. had a pretty good year last year. Yeah. Some very solid finishes, and everyone can have an off year. Yeah, that, that happens. The other, um, yeah, the other person that is interesting. Well, Mark Downs Jr. staying on that topic, like his road to professional bass fishing is is very interesting. Coming from a very professional uh, career in, in biology, I want to say it was, or environmental science, and then moving on, like he he proved himself in the FLW, and then he moved on to you know the transition happened. Um, but I can't imagine the how that feels being in a household, knowing that you're an amazing angler, but something happened along the way and that momentum ran out. I I think a guy like Mark or anybody at this level has been doing it long enough that you understand you're going to have bad tournaments and sometimes they're going to be bad tournaments in a row. They're a lot more mentally tough than we are. Oh yeah, you know, but and I think I don't know. I think we're thinking of it from our perspective. Like I'd be a train wreck if I'm in that house with them guys. <laughs> yeah. But I think for a guy like that, he knows like the next tournament he can come out and win against these guys. He knows he can. He, we we talked about last year. He had how many top tens in a row? Like four in a row where he was even. I think he had two. He was like third. So he knows he can do it. Right. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. You just. We've talked about momentum before. You and I had trouble filling a limit. We we lost momentum. My, my tournament season last year, I came in like a gangbuster. First tournament, second place, cash a check, cash checks like the next four tournaments in a row, and then just started downhill, and it carried over to this year, and now I feel like I'm starting to get a little bit of that back. Um, you're the same way. You had you yep. struggled. Now you've gotten a check line. You've had a couple good. You start to feel that swing. So it's just, I think he's probably just going through one of those down swings. I know, but we don't have to share a house together. And th- and that's <laughs> the thing, like the doc talk, the post-tournament recaps, like all that stuff. You know, somebody and, – and the anglers to pay attention to are the ones coming in like Nick LeBron and John Hunter, the ones that are sitting in the top ten, or the guys like Jay Shakirat and some of the rookies or first – yeah, the, the rookies or second-year guys on the Elite Series that have had amazing events, and then all of a sudden, boom, they hit a wall. Like, wh- what what that mentality must look like. I think that's why you room with guys like that, though, because they can they can help center you back to reality. Like, look, man, 
I've yeah. been there. Look at this tournament run I had where I had like 10 30ths in a row. Yeah. Or, you know, this, I think that's why you you surround yourself and they travel with people that they're friends with, that they're close with. You're not just jumping in a room with somebody you know. You know, that that's longstanding relationships. They're, you know, they're telling you, look, you know you can do this. Yeah. We know you can do this. Like, you just got to ride this wave. And we all know that the wave of momentum eventually will go away. And it's not that he's doing anything wrong. It's yeah. just, it's... Or it I won't. don't know, karma. Oh, it will. Or, or, yeah. Mark Daniels is going to write this Oh, show. yeah, definitely. Or it won't. And you'll see, like, some of the OGs, you know, like Tommy Biffle, Dean Rojas. Uh, I don't think know. Mark's in that conversation. He's, he's not He's, he's not, not old enough to get to where age, age and momentum together, I think, is a dangerous mix. Yeah. When you talk about guys like um, Rick Klun and uh, Larry Nixon and Dean Rojas, who you just brought up, Tommy Biffle, if we look at this, Randall Tharp, Timmy Horton. Those guys are, are on a downward swing, but they also have the age, and I think it's a lot harder, as Ben was talking about, to recover you, when you're dealing with the age factors as well. You're sore. Your eyesight's not as good. Yeah. You're not as mentally sharp. You yeah. might start making those little mental errors. You're not wetting a knot before you tie it down. You're doing something that normally was second nature. Now you have to think about it, and you're maybe you're not doing it, and that's costing you fish or costing you time. It's. Do you guys think we, that— we, we need to do a study on this. We, we need to go back— Use chat GPT no. and, and pull up every single winner in their age for the yeah. last 10 years. If, because yeah. I will, that would be cool. My odds are that the preponderance of winners are probably between the age of 30 and 45. Yeah. Right. You have a few outliers. A Rick Clinton out- won that one when he was like 94. And, and, right. Jordan Lee, really, really, uh, really young and all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, It'd be interesting. I, you, I, right, it's, 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 well, you should do that, that, man. You should chat GPT that and bring us the results for Fishing Friday. <laughs> the, the, one, the, the last thing I want to ask you guys, your opinion, and, and this goes for everybody, do you think that the older group of anglers just don't pre-fish as much anymore? Mm-mm. You oh, think that, like you, outside yeah, of... Yeah, do you think the pre-practice time is not spent like it is with the younger crowd? Do you think that... It the, could you, be. Because I think that's, that's probably a... Think about the irons and the fire that the. It's not even pre-practice. It's just just fishing, period. You're probably fishing less when you have a day off at twenty some years old. You're probably a lot more likely to put the boat up and run to the lake. Rick, Rick jumped. Rick jumped in the open at Toledo Bend. Well, he's probably trying to qualify for the classic. Yeah. So I mean that that is true, right? But there's a lot of guys. It's what is interesting with that is, I I. I do, you know, everyone says if we, if I had 200 days in the water, I could make the pros, right? If I had all that time, <laughs> right? Everyone says it. Yeah. You know, I just had the time and the money, right? To have the boat and the equipment to do it, I could do it. But what's interesting is that, and Pete, you probably know because you know more of these than, than us, but they don't fish as much as they used to before they made it. They've got all these other commitments involved. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, t- to a point. They, I mean, Still, though, when they have a day off, most of them are on the water. If they don't have one of those pre, you know, pre-scheduled events or, or photo shoots or commercials or doing something with one of their sponsors, pre-scheduled family stuff, most of them, when they get a day off, is on the water. They almost all will take a couple weeks during the off-season to hunt and do that thing because most of them are outdoorsmen, so they yeah, hunt, they fish. I'm, I'm sa- but they're still going to fish. But when you when you've made it. And especially it the probably long, does cut the, back. The longer as you go on your career, you got to spend more time with family. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's right? what Trey's getting at. You've got to commit more to your sponsors because if you've been around longer, you're probably getting paid more because you've been successful, which yeah. now means they require more stuff from you. Yeah. 
right? And, and it may be going out to film do content you, while fishing, but that is th- that is not the same. Do you think as prepping for a tournament? Do you th- do you honestly think though, as a sponsor, I'm gonna if I'm sponsoring Rick Clun and Jacob Wheeler, that I'm gonna want Rick Clun on face on more stuff than I am Jacob Wheeler's. I guess it depends no. on what audience. I'm going to want capture. Jacob Wheeler because that's a younger guy coming up, the younger generation who's spending more money on fishing now. Rick Clunn's fans, while we all are because we follow fishing our whole lives, that older generation, some of them aren't around anymore. Get, if I go up to a high school kid and ask me who Rick Clunn is, I bet <laughs> I bet three out of every ten knows who he is. The other ones have no idea. I'm just lost at what point you're trying to make. My point is that I'm, I'm, I don't think as you get older – or longer in the sport that those re- those requirements are they're pulling you more to sponsorship. I actually think that time gets less, but you start spending more time with family. Like your your internal obligations take over from fishing. When you're younger, look at well, I'm just gonna use Jacob Wheeler because everybody knows him. <laughs> you look at and Dustin Connell, a lot of these young guys, they post Connett, Kyle Welcher, they're fishing with their girlfriends or wives, mm-hmm. their kids are on the boats with them. You know, they're doing that kind of thing because that is the most important thing in their life right now is fishing. Not that their families aren't, but they're bringing their families into that. When you start seeing guys, Rick Clun, some of these older guys, they're kind of separating themselves from that on the water stuff. So I'll put it this way. Wheeler, I think we're saying the same thing, but Wheeler, we're just saying it a different way. Watch the Scott Martin video. Where was it at? Gunnersville? Pickwick. One of the early tournaments. Mm-hmm. They had an early tournament and one of those, man, where was that at? They were pre-fishing. The water was high. Mm-hmm. Wheeler lives on the lake. Tennessee River. Oh, that would have been one of the Tennessee River. Right, and they pull up, and they're just talking to each other, and Wheeler's out with his family having fun, and he's like, and Wheeler basically said, like, I haven't been out fishing here for quite a while. Yeah. And he lives on the lake. Yeah. You know, type of deal. Of course, they're not trying to exchange information because they're in the tournament. No. They're just having a conversation, and they saw each other in the water, but like... I think, yeah, I think some of those guys take more time as they get further in their career, but I don't think it necessarily means it's sponsors pulling. No, there's a, there's a combination but I think family of priorities. Yeah, every single one of their mentalities are different. Some anglers have already made it, and they don't have to reprove themselves all the time. Some of them are still taking the stepping stones to saying, "I belong in this organization. I belong at the professional level." So, I guess every single one of those anglers are different. Some of those dudes just fish. They do all the time, and if you and, make and it, and doesn't the contracts change. are all different too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Contract requirements are all. I'll say once you make it, you you belong there. You don't accidentally make it to that level. It's not like you stumble your way into it. Getting back to the original point, there is always it's a curve, right? Mm -hmm. You got to grow, and most people need to grow a little bit in the sport, get the experience before you get the ultimate success. You have several, you know, ideally a few years of very high success, and then someone else is coming along to take that from you, and you just kind of right. You get older, yeah. things get slower, and you it kind of slows down. I mean, it doesn't mean on any given tournament, right? Any given Sunday, championship Sunday, that someone can't pull out a thirty-eight pound bag and win. Yeah, and they they're eighty-five years old. Like it can happen. Yeah, right? it's come pretty close before. Yeah, not quite eighty-five, but in the seventies. I I want to be the person that three other dudes are talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I want to be that guy later on down the road. But it, I commend all of them for giving it a shot because they make a lot of sacrifices and they have a lot of responsibility to uh, to adhere to. But every single one of their situations are different. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think we're ever going to have the answer. There's no answer to. The test question. No, like we uh, said when we started, this yeah. we just sit around and BS about fishing <laughs> and figure we record it. And that's pretty much what we're doing here. Yeah, but yeah. um, 
back to your original point, Trey, I think what you were trying to say is younger guys spend more time on the water, so their skills are sharpened all the time, whereas yeah, like a wheeler, somebody starts spending more time with family, not fishing. Fishing is and, and, a skill that will depreciate over time if you don't continue to do it. Um, you can say whatever perishable. you want. I, it's, it's, perishable. Not, it's perishable. It's not like riding a bike. Yeah. If I don't fish for three months and I go out and fish, I feel like I'm lost. You know, you're you're less in tune with what's going on in the water, things like that. So, Trey, I think you're probably right. That has a lot to do with and with where some of these guys are. A lot of them had children. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mark babies. Daniels is yeah. one. Um, you know, and like we were getting back, maybe that's part of Jacob Wheeler's thing. He's getting older now. He's been around for a while. He's made his name. Now he's taking more time away, spending more time with family, not fishing. Those skills start to just not be as sharp as they were. And the next guy's up. Like we said, there's always going to be somebody right there ready New who's babies. spending 7,000 days on the water. And then there's a really special time that happens to a few guys. Yep. They get in the flow state almost. Mm. They don't need to spend any time on the water. Mm-mm. Yeah. And they just go out there and wreck them. KVD. Right. <laughs> right? That be there is that happens sometimes too. You just get in such a state yep. and so in tune that it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to go out there yeah. and win. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's close, but. it's the whole momentum thing. Like yeah. you said, you get swinging and you may not have to do it. But yeah, I mean, heck of a conversation we've had today. We've covered all sorts of topics. Yeah, from yeah. the MPFL to the elites, to the BPT, to the EQs, the top tens, the bottom tens, I mean, you name it. It'll be an interesting rest of the 2023 season. A lot of things are coming right here to our backyard in North Carolina. Elite Series coming to Santee. Elite qualifiers going to Bugs Island. I mean, like, there's a lot of fishing going on, and it's going to continue working its way north yep. into our neck of the woods. Well, all of our necks of the woods. I don't think they're doing anything in Missouri this year, though, are they? Mm. Yeah, the Some, championship for... Someone's got something on the Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah, it's... it's um, I, I believe it's the BFL, like, championship for that league. No... It might be, but it I, is because Cody Huff told me he's fi- he's fishing the BFLs. He is because he wants to qualify for that because it's right in his backyard and it's that's true thirty five thousand dollars or something like yeah, that yeah. to win. But I th- I thought maybe grand. it's not an open. I thought maybe BPT or one of the sub series. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's another event there. I thought, but I could be wrong. Well, there's always an event on Lake of the Ozarks. But there there is but a there is an MLF event on one Lake of the, the championships Ozarks. is there because that's that's why Cody was jumping in some of the BFLs. And that might me. be the BFL. Yeah. I just don't remember hundred percent. I just know there's one there from MLF side. So yep. We'll be north seeing smallmouth here before long. Uh they won't be catching any smallmouth in North Carolina because the spots have eliminated them. Uh go listen to Corey Oakley tell us how that happened if check you haven't checked their, that episode yet. Check out their Pete Uncle. Yeah you gotta check that coddle Pete Uncle. <laughs> um I don't I, We've talked about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I'm probably going to get told how wrong I am by a bunch of people on the internet. Looking forward to it. Uh, buy your fishing license. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're in North Carolina, uh, head to that ncf1bass.com. Uh, I'm going to link it in here. I'm going to link it in our next couple episodes. Consider donating. I'm not toot my own horn. I donated $100 last week mm-hmm. uh, to buy some of those F1s. If you got 5 bucks, if you got 10 bucks, help that program. Let's see if we can make our fisheries even better than they are. Not only for us in five to ten years, but for our kids in in twenty years. Uh, so if you have a little bit extra money, you're looking for something to donate to. It is uh, it is a tax write off. They're a charitable organization. You can donate there, and uh, so do that. I'll like I said, I'll link the uh, link the 
Link in the description. Link the link in the description. Link the link. Yeah, my brain's link fried from all this discussion. It's a good. It's it's definitely good. Uh, we <laughs> covered a lot. Wrong. So uh, <laughs> that's right. That was when you're wrong. Hey right guys, uh, head on over to onecastfishing.com. Use the code the onecast. Pick up some of those long neck hooks, especially for those long summer days where you're going to be dragging a Carolina rig or making some really cool techniques out of it. And uh, maybe we'll show some of that stuff on social media. I think Ben's already been showing it. So yep. customers been kind of some really cool ideas on how to utilize that hook and then don't forget the snagless jig catch more fish and lose less tackle. one last thing before you hit that button i just want and i can't remember the his his uh llc's name but barry hicks our editor just want to shout him out absolutely we couldn't do this without him uh he puts all the video together for us makes it look as pretty as he can with our ugly faces on it uh <laughs> and gets it over to over to us so we can get out to you so barry you know, he puts a little credit at the end. If you're not watching on YouTube, go just scroll to the end and, and check that out. If you're looking for any of those types of services, reach out to Barry. He's a great guy. Does a great job. Yep. You'll see our ugly faces on the next episode. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God. It's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. Feel like it's going to be a bad day.